You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. What up, everybody, and welcome to episode 80 of 2, 5, and 10. We are going to get right into it this week. There was a whole bunch of unforeseen circumstances that happened in the NHL. Benny, what the fuck is up? Uh, listen, I think you can ask the First Lady when the news came across everybody's timeline that Tuka Rask opted out for the rest of the playoffs. She heard me from down the hallway being like, holy shit. And then I came out and was like, Kevin is not going to be happy. I'm not going to be the one to tell him about it. Yeah, but I, yeah, Tuka Rask opts out the rest of the playoffs. I know you had a little Instagram live uh, event yesterday, which I hope was cathartic for you. But even as a Rangers fan, I was just like, there's no way he can play in Boston ever again. Yeah, I, I know it's big news when Redder's calling me. She was out at the store and my phone rang. It's, she's like... Hey, um, Tuka Rask isn't playing anymore. And I'm like, yep, I, I just saw. She's like, <laughs> why? I'm like, that is the million dollar question. And we're already on this topic, folks. So let's get into it. Tuka Rask uh, opts out of the NHL bubble, said he's had enough. He's gone. Uh, stated that it was to be with his family. As a family man, I respect you 100% if you want to go and spend time with your family. I have no issues with this. The issue I have with this is that you had the option before training camp to opt out. And I know Tuka Rask has two little girls. He also just has a brand new baby girl at home. Brand new newborn came in May. If this was where your head was at, obviously the sickness going around, brand new child, if you came out and you stated this at training camp and opted out then, I would look at it different. I would. But when you do this now, it's disrespectful. It's a slap in the face to your teammates. And the thing for me is we could have played Halak the whole time. We yeah. could have had him going. He doesn't have to come in cold here. But because you finally decide or realize that you don't want to do this now, now it leaves us in a bad spot. And... As a hockey guy, I mean, Benny, if one of your guys does that, I mean, I can't look at him across the room. Like, okay, I could never. Him, like, you once you lose the trust of your teammates, because when push comes to shove, you can have media going against you. Uh, you can have opponents. You can have coaching um, members of the coaching staff getting on your ass and riding you. But you always know that the guys in your room have you. And once you betray that, like, you can't get that back. Like, the room is gone for Tuga. And the fan base, which was always borderline when it came to him, despite the uh, the cup and everything else, it was just uh, the cup appearance. People just never really fully bought into him. There's no, go- there's no coming back from this. I... Like you said, the family thing, it, it's understandable. But to be honest, it was like he didn't want to come back at all in the way he was talking during even the round robin. 
And then after the game, one loss, when he said, well, you know, uh, it doesn't sound feel like a playoff game out there. It's more like an exhibition. I'm having trouble getting going. I haven't played in four months. It is what it is. I mean, I'll try my best. That's not the fire you want to hear from your number one goaltender in the first round of the playoffs. No, and you brought up a good thing about how he's always been in the fan base's crosshairs. Like, 2010, Philly came back and beat us four games in a row. I mean, that game seven, there there was some pucks there he had to stop. 2011, he was the starter going into that year. He started those games in Prague. He started the first game of the year against Arizona. And then guess what? They put in Timmy and they ran with Timmy. So so he lost his starting job essentially in 2011. And then after that, it's 2014 or 13, 14, the Blackhawks incident, like the the two goals and whatever it was, 30 seconds. We went from going to overtime to now Chicago has the cup on our ice. And then you look at him in the Olympics in 2014. And then we can go back to the 2016 incident where we have to win one game to get into the playoffs. And he woke up that day and he had diarrhea, legitimately crapped his pants and he couldn't play. And then we go to game seven of last year. And I know some people are on the fence with that. It just seems like if nothing has broken the camels back yet, this is the one like, like to me, that's it. And all those examples are to be honest, I know we talk a lot, obviously, even off the air, quote unquote. When you <laughs> string together all those events of his career with the Bruins and some of the challenges he's had, I don't think any of those are really just lack of talent or lack of ability. It's just coming up short mentally. Like when a situation gets tough, when you need it to rise to the occasion, when you need to find that extra gear, we need to battle through something, he just hasn't. And I know there was talk before the shutdown of, oh, I might retire at the end of the year or I might retire at the end of next year. And then his waffling with, well, I'm trying my best. And then when he opts out yesterday, I told you, it's like, is he just going to retire? Like, it doesn't seem like his heart's really in it anymore. Like, you're part of, I know you guys had a disappointing round robin, but you're essentially on one of the best two to three teams in the entire National Hockey League. You lost in Game 7 last year in the Stanley Cup Final. If you don't have the fire lit in you to be like, fuck that, and eat, we're getting back there, and to get your first true like Stanley Cup with you as like, the man, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have the fire then, then what are you doing? Like, What are you doing? And you're right. Halak was put into a tough spot, although luckily with the arrangement... Halak and Rask has, had, Rask has had the last few years. And I don't think it's really going to phase Halak as much as it might have a strict backup goaltender. Like He's used to inconsistent playing time, playing here, playing there. So I think that's not as much of a situation as just a lack of faith that his teammates can put him in Rask moving forward. And if he retires, that kind of takes away the messiness of the situation because he's off your cap, he's, he's done, you don't have to worry about it. But if he doesn't want to be tired, there's no way you can bring him back. He's going to have to get moved or bought out. I don't know if you guys would buy him out. Uh, he has, what, 7 mil left one more year, I think? Yeah, 7 mil or in, trade him. next year. But, I mean, like, even though if, if you, trade him is, like, the easy way to do it, but who who wants him right now? I, I, I just can't see anybody calling and saying, hey, are you getting rid of Tuca? I mean, you know, we think we're a goaltender away from a cup. 
huh? Well, he's probably not your guy. Like, I just, I I don't know who now even wants him. And that's the scary part. And there'll always be, I feel like there'll always be a market for a guy who's, I mean, say what you want about him. If it's, if he's willing to come back and he's like, no, listen, it was just a, the circumstances surrounding a pandemic, like, I don't want to retire. And, like, Cam Talbot and Calgary, he's playing well this postseason, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. The goaltender market this summer isn't too hot. So if you're a team like Calgary, who's going to have six, almost $17 million in cap space this offseason, even with the lowered cap, you wouldn't take on Rask for one year at $7 million and then have Rich behind him just in case and then moving forward? Like, if I'm Calgary, I make that phone call and then hope that your leadership with uh, Luch and everything is strong enough to just be like, no, we're good, we're good, and then figure it out. So I think there might be a, a very, very small market for a guy like that just because there's not many good options on the market this summer for goaltenders. I do agree that there aren't a lot of good options, but it's like, come on, man. Like, like just you trust the him. Like, I know what you're saying. Like, like, if you if he steps into the locker room in Calgary, are you looking at him as like, I'm missing pieces here, or are they just like, is this guy going to be in it with us? I think at that point, it's like you said, you bring up Lucic is there. Jeff Ward's there, who was here on the coaching staff when they won the cup. Like, he may have people there that are able to talk Calgary into it, into a sense. I have up the buyout calculator up on me right now. And if we did it, it would cost us in total four, eight. We would be on the cap hit for 2.6 next season. And then 2.16 the year after that. And I honestly don't think that's that bad, but as like I said, a hockey guy, I do not see how you can let him back in that locker room. Just yeah. he has let them down too many times, and this is the one. And I know all the players said they respect his decision for going home. They have to say that, yeah. They have to say it, but at the same time, I mean, they're away from their families too. They they didn't say this was a family emergency. The, the, this wasn't an emergency situation. He just up and left. Bruce Cassidy didn't even ha- get to have the conversation with Tuca. Tuca just called Sweeney out. And they came out and they said that he had voiced his opinions once his training camp started and they were getting back to going, and they basically had to talk him into going into Toronto. Dude, yeah. No wonder why. I, gee, I wonder why you guys didn't win a fucking game in a round robin. Yeah, like it's almost like he he wanted to check out. And the the thing you brought up about that first playoff game is this: the Bruins in that first game dominated Carolina, dominated them. So he didn't really have to sniff the puck too much. And then in game two, for all the people at the end of game two that said bench Rask and start Halak, I mean, I still think we lose game two. I think that Carolina wanted it more than us. They were on us hard. We couldn't make good decisions with the puck coming out of our D zone. They would get a lot of zone time on us. I mean, people are talking about, oh, what's he doing on that Dougie Hamilton shot? I'm like, Dougie Hamilton just fucking hammered a rocket from the circle. Like, I don't think many people were stopping that thing. (laughs) But, like, the defensive breakdown just on that goal alone was Shveshnikov came behind the net 
and none of our D or sentiment went there. Our our three guys stayed in front of the net. They didn't even move. But by the time that puck is already in the net, they're still looking at Sveshnikov behind the red line. Like they didn't even churn yet. They're worried about that lacrosse goal. Yeah, and maybe that's what's keeping them at bay, and it's going to open up stuff for Carolina. But it's like I still think even with Halak in, we lose game two. We seem rejuvenated for game three. Can Halak keep it up? He's up there in age. I know you brought up a great point of, for the most part, this year and last, I mean, they've split time probably about 70-30 or 65-35. Like, it's been a good split for for two goalies for resting purposes and things like that. So I do think that Halak is fresh. But now just a question pointing out, poising a question, whatever way you want to call it, do you think Halak can A, handle this Stanley Cup workload, and B, I mean, obviously Tuca is a rallying point. Can he withstand the breakdowns that we had the other day against a talented team like Carolina? Yes, yeah, so I feel like uh, two parts. So the first one is, I mean, Locke's a very – he's a good goaltender. Like, I don't know – he's not obviously not a franchise guy. He's not a true workhorse I don't think he ever was, uh, but especially at this point in his career. But he is a guy that gets hot. And he is, is a guy that can go on a run. Uh, years ago when he was a goalie in Montreal, when they had those surprise playoff upsets, uh, he went on a run with them. I, I'm not concerned about the first round. Like, I still think you guys can beat Carolina. It's going to be a long series. It's still shaping up to be that. I still think he can help you guys beat Carolina. But as you get deeper into the playoffs... Like, Tampa Bay? Like, Halak against Tampa Bay, maybe? I mean, I'm not saying Tuka Rass turned the a potential series against Tampa Bay on its head, but I would have a little bit more confidence if Tuka was, like, mentally checked in and Tuka. But let's say you guys make it all the way to the Cup Final. Against St. Louis again? Colorado? Like, Vegas? I don't know if, tu- if Halak's the type of guy at this point that you can rely on for four rounds as the number one guy and without a safety net of, well, he's playing well, we're going to ride the hot hand, and then if he loses the game, we'll go back to Tuca. Like, there is nobody to go back to. Like, if he struggles for a week, your season's over. So I don't know if he can carry you guys deep, but I think he can handle, like, the adversity, I would put it, of being thrust into the role. My thing, I guess, on my end to kind of wrap up the Tuca talk is, Okay, he's gone. Buyout, retirement, trade, whatever. Halak's obviously not a number one, and we kind of touched on it in text yesterday. You guys are in a market for a goaltender. Are you looking for a reunion with a guy like Anton Hoboden? Are you looking for maybe a Cam Talbot signing, like a cheap, a cheaper acquisition? Or are you guys just like, fuck it, let's go. We were budgeting $7 million, let's get Hank in here. Uh, to be, I, I remember I texted you that yesterday. I would take Hank on the current deal he's on in a heartbeat. Um, one year, eight and a half mil for people I don't know for the cap hit. One year, eight and a half mil. We do have Vladar and we do have Swayman, but I just don't think they're ready yet. I, I don't think they're ready to make that jump yet. So and that's why that one year is key. It's it, not like a long term agreement. Agreed, and that's why like. I, that's why I felt like the whole house was crumbling down yesterday with the Tuca thing. Like that puts us in an awful spot. Like I know 
the Bruins said yesterday and Don Sweeney that, oh, you know, we expect Tuca back for the start here next year. As a fan and a guy who is, you know, bled black and gold for years, I can't. I personally cannot. I think they're also saying, actually, don't crater his trade value. Oh, no, no, absolutely. I, I know it's a game at that point. Like, I get the whole part of it. But it's like, I cannot do that. I can't. So for them, I, I think it crumbled them, too, because they're like, well, we at least had Tuca through next year, and then one of these kids can come up, or we can get somebody in the meantime. Next can year, you imagine can... the home opener if Tuca is back at the Garden? Like you shouldn't even boo him. If anything, don't say a word. So he feels so he feels like it's a game that's in the bubble and he can leave again. Like, <laughs> fuck him. I'm done. With um, him. Okay. So I thought on a Hank situation. Now listen, everybody that's listening, especially you, Kev, know Henrik Lundqvist is like my hockey husband. Like I love this man. I am also on aware of the fact that he's going to be turning 38 years old. He has one year left on his deal on an eight and a half mil. Not many teams can take on that cap hit uh, and give up value at the same time. But if we're trading him to you guys, I think it's kind of like almost a perfect setup in a sense of you guys need a goalie for one year that you can rely on who might be, who's more proven than a guy like Talbot uh, or somebody like that. And also the, the Rangers would be able to send them, even though it's in the Eastern Conference, into a regional rival. I don't really think the Bruins and Rangers have been true rivals since, like, the 70s or 80s. But the Bruins are a Stanley Cup contender. Like, what better situation to send a guy like Hank to chase the Stanley Cup? But when it comes to a trade, I don't know what kind of value you're con- you would be considering giving up. I am not wouldn't be asking for a lot. I texted you yesterday, like, is Connor Clifton available? You get a guy like Clifton, maybe uh, an Oscar scene and a conditional pick for Hank, and we'll maybe eat a little bit. I don't know. The only thing that I think dictates Clifton is what happens with Chara and Tory Krug. Like that's yeah. that's the only thing. And it's not like I can say, well, we're gonna send you shit and John Moore because I know you guys aren't taking. <laughs> it. So it's like, yeah, I think we'd have to let the season play out, and yeah. then once we figure out free agency as to what will finally happen and how we're actually looking I, th- I think that's a huge part of it yeah i mean it, i was looking at it from a point of clifton's has getting paid one million next year so that helps arrange the cash situation and also as a right-handed shot you have truba and fox truba needs to get power play time next year like we're paying him franchise defenseman money he needs to be on a power play fox is going to man the other power play where's d'angelo that's his value for the most part and i know he's a feisty guy i like the way he plays physically but if you're going to be having D'Angelo you're on a depth chart, be your third right-hand shot defenseman, getting third pair of minutes and no or limited power play time, why are we going to pay him $5, 6000000 million as a restricted free agent when we can move him for a second or third line center and then have Clifton just fill in and be a 12- to 13-minute right-hand shot defenseman until the prospects are ready? So that's kind of how I was looking at it. Just a little filler, that's all. Just a little filler. Just a guy that's not going to embarrass himself – has, plays on the right side of the on the ice and can maybe surprise some people. That's about it. He he is a good little defenseman. I, I do like Connor Clifton. I just think with our lineup at times, it's it's a little deep and it's hard for him to get in there. But I think if he did get to go somewhere and play, he would blossom. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So 
I guess I didn't expect to say this, but this offseason, the Rangers and Bruins are pretty much figuring out their goaltending situation for next year, which I didn't expect to happen. Um, before we get into the Rangers talk, I know we wanted to go into a couple of the series that have been going on. I figured we can stay in the Boston-Carolina situation where the Strachnikov injury is the one thing I wanted to touch on. I know you'll probably have more specific thoughts about the bees, but what are your thoughts on the injury? So news came today that he's likely to miss the rest of the first round of the playoffs, if not longer. I don't know what happened. It looked like at, at the least he sprained a knee ligament or an ankle ligament. It could be worse than that. Uh, what are your thoughts on... The injury, and also, what are your thoughts on what Jack Edwards tweeted, ye- tweeted yesterday? And once you give your thoughts, I'll read everybody what the actual tweet was. Uh, well, I'll tell you how I feel about the Jack Edwards tweet. Just an absolute imbecile in just... Uh, he looks like an absolute clown. This guy just sustained a serious injury. I mean, everyone who saw the way Sveshnikov went down, like, it's not pretty. His blade doesn't come with him. His skate moves. I'm guessing, yeah, it has to be minimum... A severe ankle sprain, if not tendon and ligament damage. Yeah. It was just ugly. The leg doesn't move at all. Going in from it, him and Chara were battling all day. They're battling behind the net. When it comes out in front of the net, I heard someone say it was a slew foot. I think they I just... I didn't see that. I, I didn't either, but I don't think people understand the term of a slew foot. <laughs> like, a yeah. slew foot is when you completely kick out both of the legs from under somebody else with your skate. Um, it seemed like the, it looked like they were battling. It. it looked like Chara in him on his leg that did move. Both of their knees got tangled up. Yeah. But his other leg, I mean, Chara didn't touch that. They were just battling out front. I mean, you can call me a homer or whatever, but I mean, that it didn't look like. I didn't think it was dirty at all. Yeah, I, I didn't either. But to go to the point of Jack Edwards, it's like people already don't like Jack as it is call, call it the way it is. He is the extreme Homer, the definition of it. We've beaten them and beaten them up. Like, and then the whole patch ready with Char situation. When he said that and he had his number, like Jack has had it too many times. And this might be the one that could be the last straw. Like, I just don't know. I, I know Bruins fans are split on Jack. They either love them, love him, or they hate him. They're just like Tuca with Jack Edwards, same way. Yeah. Love him or hate him. I, that's surprising that the Boston fan base is a little fickle towards somebody. Uh, well, yeah, I know. Crazy to think, right? <laughs> but it's like, this one might be the final one because it's like, Nesson may just have to take away his social media and be like, if you still want your job, all you do is call hockey games. Like, you don't touch Twitter anymore because you look like an absolute fucking idiot. Here's the tweet from yesterday, just so people don't know. This is post-game after the Sharchnikov injury. He tweeted, What NBC hasn't shown yet regarding the unfortunate injury to Sharchnikov, the Carolina wing playing hobby horse, riding char on a back apron of the goal. You poke the bear, you take your chances. No one wanted to see him hurt, but he bit off more than he could chew. And besides seeing that and being like cringy when I first saw it, the fact that I know Ray Fer- Ray Ferraro is a former player, but he's in the media. He's a well-respected media personality now in the, in the world of hockey. Love the Ray. fact that he felt comfortable calling out a fellow media member with a tweet of, what a joke and embarrassment, that just goes to show you no one, because Ferraro is one of the nicest guys in hockey media, no one respects Jack Edwards at all. I... 
I have to agree with Ray, especially after that. Like, th- this goes back to Tortorella being a coach in New York, mm. where you know what? Shut your yap. You're not in the battle. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you talking to other players for? Yeah, remember it, you tried to fight the Calgary Flames? It, yeah. Well, I mean, he wanted to fight their coach, in fairness. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's just one of those things of let the players battle. Yep. Media, you have your job, whether you want to twist some things. But to Jack Edwards basically say, A, he's saying that Chara intentionally did that via that tweet. That, that You know, you poke the bear, that's what you get. And then the other part of it is someone is now hurt because of this. And you Here's can't life. just say, like, you know, unfortunate battle in front, best wishes to Shveshnikov. Perfect tweet. Good job, Jack. Nope, like had to go the extra mile. And uh, I can already imagine what he has to say about Tuca because yesterday was the national broadcast. I can already wait for tomorrow night. I can already fucking wait for it. Do you think Nesson lets Jackie go? Or is it just like you're you're having your last chance here? Because he's already apologized once in season in broadcast for a comedy made during a game. I wouldn't be surprised. I think they let him go, but I I, I don't know what's left on like his contract. Gotcha, oh, yeah, fuck true. me. Dallas just tied it up. 3-3 three, three about to end the second. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's ugly to me. Okay. Uh, moving around the league, I just two things I wanted to point out. Uh, one is the St. Louis-Vancouver series. Uh, it looks like Jake Allen is going to be getting the starting game three for the Blues after Bennington had a poor game two. St. Louis still not getting it going. Like in predictions, we didn't have a in a podcast recorded before the first round of the playoffs. That's we my fault. Our predictions on Facebook. That's my fault. I was away. I'll take the blame for that. I apologize. Yeah, how dare you have a family and go somewhere? Well, in in fairness, I mean this vacation was planned before <laughs> COVID, so it just kind of. <laughs> Anywho. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, in my prediction, like my little blurb about it, I was like, Vancouver is a very good team. I think they're ascendant, I think, next year. I mean, you got this one right. I thought Vancouver was overrated going into the year, but fucking Bo Horvat turning into Mark Messier here. Um, Bo looks good. <laughs> yeah, like I think next year there was going to be like the year they really took off. I just thought St. Louis with their experience from the cup last year. They were mean and physical, and they were going to be a little bit embarrassed about how they played in around Robin. They would just start getting turned around. Not happening. They looked just as lost, just as lackluster as they did in around Robin. They're down 2-0 in a series. They're already switching to Jake Allen. They could be down 3-0 in the first round of the playoffs and get knocked out uh, as defending the champs, and that's something I didn't expect. Obviously, the shutdown kind of ruined their momentum a little bit, but... I'm still surprised that St. Louis is getting this dominated. They play game three tonight, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Must-win game for St. Louis. The next two games, the rest of the series is must-win. You can't lose one more game to Vancouver uh, and expect to win a series. And the other thought I, w- I wanted to talk about is the Islanders up three games and none over the Washington Capitals. They won 2-1 to one in overtime today. Matty Barzell with the fantastic edge work on a blue line to stay on side and OT for the game winner. 
Um, oh, dude, he torched Dylan there. Like yeah. he was by Dylan, and Carlson didn't like, even have a chance. Been sitting down. Carlson didn't even have a chance to catch him. He was three strides. I was like, wow. <laughs> hey, um, w- one random thing too, just because you said Matthew Barzell. <laughs> um, my buddy called me yesterday after this whole Tuca thing, and he says yeah. we need to blow up the Bruins, like because our our window is now closing. Oh, a lot God. of the guys are getting older. Blah blah blah. And I referenced this. I said, Noah kills them. I would love them. to have that window. I said, Noah kills them right now. That 2015 draft. Because yep. we could have went three in a row with Barzell, Kyle Shabbat. Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. That's that what kills the Bruins. That's what killed the fucking Bruins. Three in a row. But anywho, well, sorry. Go back to where you're going. Well, no. Speaking, I wanted to still touch on him specifically myself. Because like you said, pay him. I just can't afford him, my man. They, they're tough against the cap. Fuck it. Rangers, offer sheet of three first-round picks. Do it. Dude, I, I think he will get offer sheeted. He will be a player that we haven't seen in a while actually get offer sheeted. Like, I know uh, Bergerman did it a little bit. Uh, last offseason, offseason before that, I forget. Everything's blurring together and COVID shut down. Um, but I know it's far-fetched. I, I don't even think it's possible for the Rangers to do so because they would have to give up the first overall pick as part of that package. And do you give up Lafreniere for Barzell? Maybe. Um, oh, but if the, that's the post that we need a poll on Facebook. Like, that's do you question. give the Islanders Alexei Lafreniere for Barzell as a division and heated rival? I like, would that's say what it boils down to. Barzell's a center. Do you have somewhere to put him at center? Oh, dude. We don't have a second line. Ryan Strom's our second line center. He's not long term. Philip Heedle's supposed to be our long term second oh, then, line center. Dude, in a I'm heartbeat. not sure if he's in a heartbeat at center or if he's a winger. I, dude, I would do that with fucking Lou right now. I'd be like, listen, we're gonna offer sheet him, but you get three first, you get Lafreniere. Like I think that's like you would have Zibanejad and Barzell one two, and then Heedle on the third line. Th- that changes your outlook. Yeah, so that was just a thought I had when I saw him cut the edge and then make Dylan look like he was fucking sitting on his ass playing defense. I said Uh, it that year. He was the best skater in that draft. The best edges I have seen in forever. He's like a figure skater out there. I thought he was offside, to be honest. If people want to take a look at the uh, video of the goal today, the OT winner for Barzell, I was watching it live. At first blush, I thought he was offside. And then when it showed the slow-mo replay, I was like, God damn, that is a great... Uh, great edge work on that line. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thought I had was, I I kind of want your opinion on this. So the Vegas Golden Knights, they won last night 2-1 to one over the Blackhawks. They're out three games to none. They have game four today at 6.30 going for the sweep. They played Marc-Andre Fleury in game three. They won, obviously. He played solid. Why? I'm... I don't understand why you go to Flurry in that situation when Leonard's played well. I I honestly don't know. I I looked at that yesterday and I'm like, it it, it doesn't it make sense to sharp? me. Like, it, I mean, it very well could be. I mean, uh, Vegas has played good. I mean, they look yeah. like fucking you know what they would call Kane the big red machine. Like they yep. look like the big gold <laughs> machine right now. Like they are firing on all cylinders. Um, the couple of goals that they had, that Marsha show pass to uh, Riley Smith, beautiful. The one yesterday, uh, Stone to fucking Carlson, backhand the whole, yep. like, they are just playing with such finesse right now. Like, 
I think mentally the they're in such a good place that for them as players, I don't think it matters who's in net for them. I think they're just out there playing. And random question now, because, I mean, this is where, to me, it's different. Do you think Gerard Gallant would have made that same call the way DeBoer did to switch them? I don't think so. But that's the thing that's confusing to me. And also, if I'm Chicago, I would have gotten fucking ticked and offended by the fact that, oh, you're going to put up, put in your basically your backup goaltender just to get him ice time against us in the playoff series? Like, fuck you. And I would have tried to shove it out their ass. Like, I'm sure Chicago tried. Like, Vegas is just fucking rolling, like you said. Yeah, but it's hard to call fucking Mark andre Fleury just I know, but it's just... Leonard just outplayed him so far since he got to Vegas. I think Leonard's been a goalie at this point. Um, I haven't seen if they're going back to Leonard in game, game four or Flurry. The old adage is what? If you have two number one goalies, you don't have a number one goalie in the playoffs? Yeah, so basically. I just, yeah. That's just the one thing about Vegas. Like, Are you creating a situation when there wasn't one to begin with? Can you imagine, though, like, say – for the, just the reason of arguing, St. Louis puts in Allen today, which is reported. He lays a shitter. Do you go back to Bennington or do you stick with Allen now? You already made the change. Or uh, does DeBoer just go, you're getting two and you're getting two. And that's the way we're rolling. That's the thing. I think it depends on the series because if Vegas is playing Colorado and Leonard wins game one and game two. I don't think he pulls him against a team like Colorado just to get flurry ice time. That's very true. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. So those are the thoughts I had on randomly throughout the series. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else to add or if you wanted to move into the Rangers, kind of playoff postmortem and lottery and everything. I just want to get two quick things from you. Um, okay. The Calgary-Dallas series thought so far, I, th- I think it's been oh. incredible so far. It's been a great series. You pick Calgary, I pick Dallas. Going by our track record, Calgary is going to probably end up winning the Stanley Cup. Um, <laughs> Which I said in October. I said that in October before the yep. season. Uh, but it's been a great series. Uh, I was going with Dallas. I said this in a prediction. Strictly on the goaltending advantage. And Cam Talbot is like... Dude, he's like out right your now. Ass. He's like nine eighty seven save yeah, percentage so and like, like one two even. seven fucking goals against. He's been insane and two shutouts so far. Yeah, so I had I had to go in seven games and Dallas winning in seven. Now it's just like as a hockey take predictions out of it. If I was just a hockey fan, like this is the series I'm watching. Like I love this series. Maybe the Tampa Bay and Columbus series, which has been good. That's but great too. just a fantastic series so far. I obviously want to be right in my prediction. I think Dallas just needs to get over the hump here a little bit. If Dallas can get by a team like Calgary, who's playing well and rolling, I like them against a team like Vancouver. I think they could put up a good series against a team like Vegas. So who knows? I do think, I don't know where Calgary would play. It all depends on the other seedings. But like Calgary's a big team. Like them against Vegas would be like a, tough fucking series like they would beat the shit out of each other well yeah you're let's assume vegas isn't going to blow a three nothing lead and that colorado is going to beat arizona uh in their series the second round would be colorado versus calgary Mm. and dallas versus vegas ouch all right like the west is brutal man and do you think 
that um polite stick blade to uh, Matthew Kachuk's balls from Jamie Ben? <laughs> do you think that was just um accidental, or do you think that was like, hey pal, I, I hope you're doing good? Uh, I mean, Kachuk already had that fight with Perry like very early in Game One. Um, I touched on that in my prediction too about Jamie Ben versus Kachuk is going to be something where Kachuk loses a little bit of that physical advantage because Ben will just run him over um, and drop the gloves with him. So I don't think Dallas will be intimidated by him. But you didn't predict he was going to lose his dick. Yeah. (laughs) I like that they're not intimidated by him, that Perry went with him. I like that Ben Skip kind of showing the kid like, I don't know, maybe he's teaching him a little bit. But if Kachuk, listen, if if somebody did that to me, gloves are off. Oh, big time. So, well, it looked like so, he couldn't even move after. It looked like yeah. that was like direct. <laughs> like, no, I mean, like it's the next chance I get, like gloves are off. So um, I don't think that's going to happen now. It hasn't already since it's going into third period tied in a playoff game. I don't think they're oh, going to handle could, it there. Kachuk's not back but, yet. Still hasn't played today. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Next chance I get is when I would be going with uh, good old Jamie. All right, and now just one other thing before we go to your your Rangers. I know we just kind of grazed over them, but Corpusalo in that Columbus and Tampa series. Oh, the, uh, the 5 OT game? Dude, like that game just to begin with, like we went out to dinner and I'm racing the clock to, to get back for a Bruins game. And I keep looking and I keep refreshing my phone. I'm like, Another and overtime. I'm texting you like so. Another like, overtime. Start at midnight. Now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> another overtime. I'm like, what the fuck is going? And then I come back and I'm just watching. I so I watched third, four, and fifth overtime. I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. Just this guy Corpusalo, and then Mazerkalins behind him. I know Mazerkalins hasn't played, but you you want to talk about Columbus's phone ringing in the off season for one of them? Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. I don't think they move them either because they're still cheap uh, and they're both relatively pretty young. So I think their second goal, I know that was the biggest question mark going into the offseason was like, did he have the goaltending? And both of us were like, these guys are so unproven, they could suck in Columbus's toast. And another decision by the Blue Jackets organization that turned out well in a sense of we got value out of Bob and we got out of the situation before we overpaid for it. Eight years to the dude. I mean, the funniest part is that I know Torts listens to this podcast, and he was like, "What the fuck did Ben say? That motherfucker! <laughs> like all those years I gave him in New York, and yet he wasn't too happy with you." So, I listen, Torts, you're my boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're setting goal. Uh, good for them. I like for some reason they're a division opponent. I just like when Columbus plays well. I think it has to do with Torts and I, uh, my infatuation with Seth Jones. Huh, dude, 60 plus minutes the other night. Unreal. Yeah, didn't play Unreal. super well for 65 minutes, but he still played 65 minutes. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but yeah, so Rangers talk for a little bit. Uh, don't worry, you don't have to turn off the episode. I'm not going to talk for 15 minutes here. Um, really, the first thing I want to talk about was obviously the very disappointing sweep in the qualifying round against the Hurricanes. I know when we had our big live episode and we made our predictions i don't think anybody picked carolina uh the fact that it wasn't even a close series was what was disappointing because we and as rangers fans we always talked about this is just a good learning experience for guys uh like kako and hito like playoff experience they were there for four days 
Like, how's that experience? They didn't even learn how to win a game. Like, what experience did they get other than learning how to play in a bubble? So, I don't know what type of learning experience it is. Uh, Kreider even hinted at that. He's like, listen, it, I'm glad that they got to experience that, but they, I don't think they really still truly understand what it's like to battle all the way to the Stanley Cup. Um, so, that's the first thing. The second thing is, I've touched on this all year long. Don't worry, it's not going to be another full David Quinn rant. But when your entire system is built around the success of hopefully these three guys can carry us, that's not a system. That's not coaching. And I know every team can say, well, if Marshan and Bergeron have a bad series, the Bruins are toast. That might be true. But I'm pretty sure Bruce Cassidy and the Bruins know how to work around that and game plan and adjust. The Rangers, it's like, Panarin had a bad series. Zibanejad had a bad series. Kreider was invisible. Fox had a pretty bad series. Okay, we're done. Like, the fact that it was a sweep from the outset, Carolina just outplayed us, outcoached us, dominated most of the series. We were unprepared. I don't know how you can have... I know we were shot for four months, but essentially over a month, the game plan against playing Carolina, and you come out that flat. And then during the series, just no adjustment. It's just like keep throwing the same shit. Uh, the only adjustment that David Quinn made was to play Brett Howden 17 fucking minutes in game two. Like, great great call, coach. Um, so I, I'm still extremely disappointed in David Quinn and his coaching staff. Like, this is the end of year two of him as the Rangers head coach. And I know he's helped out guys. Like the, I mean, the, all these guys had talent. Like, D'Angelo was a first-round pick, had a ton of talent. He didn't just, like, bring in a random guy and all of a sudden he turned him into a 50-point defenseman. But you, as an outsider, I've asked you this at the end of last year. What is the Rangers' identity? Like, when you think of uh, Columbus, you think of block shots, playing hard, veteran leadership. When you think of the Bruins, you have an idea. What's the Rangers? Currently, I mean, I... I- at the beginning of the year, if you'd ask me, I'd say Hank. But now it's kind of you've made that shift to Panarin and Zibanejad and wh- whoever else wants to jump on board. Yeah, but it's kind of like if you like an image pops into your head. Like when I think of the Bruins, okay, it's going to be a physical series. They play well defensively. For the Rangers, and maybe I'm just being too hard on them because I'm in it. It's like, okay, we're playing the Rangers. Let's see if we can shut down their three forwards and then it'll be a cakewalk from there. Like there's nothing... There's no like brand identity, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like when you don't when you think of the Flyers or the Vegas Golden Knights, you think of like an identity as an organization. The Rangers just like, hey, we have a bunch of young kids. Like, cool. So I'm just disappointed and to be honest, it's extremely tempting in the offseason when you have guys like Peter Laviolette and Gerard Gallant available and Bruce Boudreaux available as coaches. To look at David Quinn in the exit interview and go, you're still my guy. Like, I'm not saying David Quinn's terrible or, like, he'll never be successful. But you're talking about three of the best coaches in the league that are just free agents. I don't know if I would be able to commit to Quinn for next year if I was in in that room. I mean, and not to mention the turnover, too. I mean, Lindy Ruff going to the Devils, that was a hand-picked guy for Quinn on that staff. So that's already one guy that needs to be replaced yeah. If you're going to replace a coaching staff, I mean, it seems like now would be the time to do it. Yeah. And I know it's about the system. They play a similar system in Hartford with the prospects, so it's an easier transition. Uh, I definitely don't want to screw that up at all, but 
I, especially Galat, man. That just is like gnawing at me. Like he's right there, just dangling like, the carrot. Yeah, <laughs> and like the Rangers aren't that far off, especially with winning the lottery. They have a a lot of good young talent that we're trying to develop. Galant's a players coach. He took a Vegas team. I was supposed to like. It's just there. I'm like, oh, it's Quinn really the guy? Like, if the Rangers bring him back and Galant goes elsewhere, and Laviolette goes elsewhere, and Boudreaux goes elsewhere, you're basically committing to the fact that this is David Quinn is a better coach than those guys. And I don't know if I can say that. Um, Random to, question for you before you go to the next yeah. part, j- just about David Quinn. When they brought him in from BU, which was a surprise to most. I mean, no, no yeah. college coaches really make the jump right to the NHL. I mean, we saw it with Hackstall, but outside of him, it's been a very long time since the college coaches made that jump. I know Montgomery did it too in Dallas, but what was your original thought of David Quinn? I mean, I was surprised. I heard nothing but good things. Uh, from the college program and guys like Jerry York talking about himself. It's like, okay, this is intriguing. Like, we are rebuilding. This guy is being hyped as a big-time teacher and developer, which is pretty much exactly what we might need. But it was like a consolation prize. The Rangers, according to, like, a bunch of different people, were all in on Jim Montgomery. Like, they wanted him at all costs. And he decided to go to Dallas so the Rangers were kind of left holding their dick a little bit, and they're like, well, okay, who's the next best guy in college? And then they settled on David Quinn. And does so, it, is it, like, irksome to you, though, that, like, they just kept throwing money at him until he said yes? Because they said they approached him once. Yeah, he said, no, I'm happy to be you. They came back. He said, nah, maybe. And then they threw the dollar up, you know, some more dollars, and he said, all right, I'll come. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that in a podcast that did bother me it's just like sorry man that we're in the original six franchise in the biggest market in the country and we're asking to be the head coach in a rebuild where if you want to sound like cup you're a god and you need to be convinced to come here like stuff like that always bothers me so i'm not saying fire quinn just to fire quinn like if those other coaches don't want to come here or they're truly not a good fit for the style of play of the guys we have on a roster i totally understand that but if we choose quinn over those guys and then next year comes around and we're still battling for a wild card spot that's an issue for me and then we lost that window to bring in potentially one of those guys i'm just scared of that and that's fair all right on to the next subject i'm sorry i just wanted to ask yeah so really quickly uh the rangers winning the first overall pick uh I originally had the idea of doing a Facebook Live for the lottery, but timing didn't work out. I wish we were able to because I was watching it live, and then when the Rangers (laughs) ball came up, I was like, holy shit, holy shit. And then I was trying to explain to Anna why that is such a big deal, and she's like, well, I'm just happy for you, you know? (laughs) But um, Rangers win a number one overall pick. Consensus top overall pick is left winger Alexei Lafreniere. more of a playmaker than a goal scorer, but he's an elite playmaker. Rangers have Kreider and Panarin on the left side already, so he kind of slides in on the third line if the Rangers do end up taking him, so he's not rushed into being a first-line franchise forward right away. He can learn by this time a little bit. Uh, but if the Rangers end up keeping this pick, which we talked about the Barzell thing or whatever, and they 
take uh, Lafreniere and he's on a third line. The thing that just helps is just overall depth. Because now that pushes a guy like Brendan Lemieux, who I like, to the fourth line, which improves the fourth line. The fourth line was probably, in the playoffs, was Brett Howden, Greg McKaig, and Phil DiGiuseppe, which is probably the worst fourth line of a playoff team in history. Like, <laughs> terrible. Like, beer league third line at best. Um, so Lemieux being pushed down to the fourth line. If the Rangers bring, bring back Jesper Faust, he's going to be pushed back down to the fourth line because if you have a guy who's a playmaker like Lafreniere on the third line, you want to put a guy like Julian Gauthier on the opposite wing because he's a pure goal scorer. And you want to see if, what you have in him. So it just builds out overall depth, and you also don't have to rush a guy like Vitaly Krasov or Morgan Barron to the pros. Like they can also return to Hartford if they need to uh, develop there. So the Rangers are in a pretty good spot. They can take a guy like Lafreniere, who's a Terrell Hall type. We talked about this before we recorded. He's not a franchise generational talent, I don't think. Uh, he's not a Conor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or Nathan McKinnon. He's, like a, he's a step below that. He's like an above-average all-star. Um, so the Rangers are in a sweet spot. They either stay at number one and take him, and they have even more depth and talent, or they could use the first overall pick, trade down, because they technically do need a center more than a winger. Do they trade down to two or three with Ottawa or L.A., uh, pick up another pick in the meantime, or you call Sweet Lou up out on Long Island and say, listen, we're, we're both taking risks here. You're taking a risk of sending a potential franchise center to a division rival, but we're also taking a risk of sending the first overall pick to our division rival it could be a generational talent. Potentially, there's a chance. So we're both taking a risk here and making it even out. So Rangers sitting pretty. Uh, they need to figure out some of the cap situation you know, with D'Angelo, Strom, Lemieux, Foss, guys like that. Uh, but we're doing all right. And then the whole Hank thing is the last thing I want to touch on. It was said, uh, knowing at the end of Game 2, that that was the last time you'll ever see Henrik Lundqvist in a Ranger uniform. Uh, there's very low chatter that he might want to retire versus playing for another team. I don't believe that for one second, knowing a competitor that Lundqvist is. I think knowing he has one year left on a deal, he wants to finish that out and try to win a cup and then go back to Sweden and play with his brother, probably. So I think he'll come back. I think he'll play in a different uniform. It's going to be weird. I'm going to be really sad when we record an episode post-trade or post-buyout. Uh, there might be some tears shed, some Green Day being played, who knows. Um, but yeah, it was really weird and uh, a little bit upsetting knowing that, man, that was the last time seeing Hank. One random question I have for you. with You, you win that lottery, you look pretty with Lafreniere. Do you take calls on that first pick? Or are you just, we're taking them? I mean, I don't think you're doing your job if you don't take calls on it. Because what happens if you get a Ricky Williams-type offer from a team for the first overall pick in the sense of, we'll give you our entire draft for that pick? Because I'm just looking at a couple other people here, and one that is just ringing the bell is Ottawa. Yeah, Lafreniere said he wanted to go to Ottawa before this whole NHL phase two of the draft lottery came in. Um, it was basically the Red Wings, your boys, and the Senators. And he said he would have loved to play in Ottawa. He's from Quebec. It, it would have been a thing coming in. Currently, in the first round alone this year, Ottawa has three picks, four picks in the second round, 
two in the third. You go to next year, they already have two in the second round. Like, they have a whole bunch of picks. If would you drop a couple of spots in the draft or not? Because the other part I think is this. If they call you, you guys say no, they're going after Barzell. They have plenty. They have, the they have plenty of space. They have two other picks in the first round this year. One of them's the Islanders. So yeah. it's like they would just give up theirs. They would get Barzell. And they would still have the Islanders pick and the Sharks pick. Yep. And then it would just be there too. But after... I'm looking at their roster right now and just their forwards currently for next season under contract is Bobby Ryan, Colin White, Artem Anisinov, and then Brady Kachuk. Everybody else on there, Bodker's unrestricted. Chris Tierney's restricted. Brown's restricted. Yeah, they have nobody Duclair's in the room, restricted. Essentially. There's nobody there. So there is a blank slate there. And their prospect pool is huge. They have Josh Norris, Logan Brown, Jordan Schwartz. Like, dude, they, they're going to go deep. Thomas Lassie, Eric Brandstrom. Like, I'm telling you, the Senators are going to fucking blow up next year. So, so here's the deal. If the... Senators call you, and like we'll give you the third overall. See, I would start out and go. We want to, we want three and five for the first, and see what they say. I would take the hey, third. If they and, want Lafreniere that bad, I mean, if you just told me that's what you want, our third and fifth pick, and we could get a lot Alexi and throw him in the lineup with Kachuk and Colin White and all the like. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, so it's like. It's almost like I want to use the offer sheet compensation as a way to gauge the trade offer. Like, give us, maybe not to, hey, listen, if they want to give us a three and a five and one more pick on top of it, fine. But realistically, if they offered a third overall, the Islanders' first round pick and one, and their own second round pick for the first overall, you kind of, you got to listen to it because, listen, Sometimes you keep it simple, stupid. You don't want to overthink it. Mm -hmm. uh, because the Blackhawks had the first overall, and everybody's like, well, Patrick Kane is a winger. Is he really that valuable? And they talked about trading it. They kept him, and they made the right choice. But are you better off taking, like, Quentin Byfield? Third overall. We'll and then having that him being one of your uh top two centers for the next decade and then you still get a, another first round pick on top of that which the rangers also have two first round picks this year mm -hmm. so they would end up with four first round picks if they made a trade like that um which they can use to trade for veterans already around the league or young players that are already established they don't need to use those picks for 18 year olds um but to be honest i'm taking lafreniere or i'm using our picks for an offer sheet and so one or the other that's it yeah so i like. feel like now the issue with the offer sheet is, what's Barzell would be what two first, a second, and a third? I think it might be three first. It, it all depends on what he ends up getting paid. That that's what it comes yeah, down to. I'm gonna look it up real quick because my only issue with that is, uh, let me pull it up here. Yeah, it, it just depends on what his contract is that he ends up signing. Is that, yeah, it's gonna that's have to the be compensation. Massive. Yeah, and it, it's going to be minimum three firsts, minimum. Yeah, so anything over anything between eight point four million and ten and a half million, which is probably where he would end up, is two firsts, a second, and a third. Now, I've seen conflicting reports on this, 
those picks have to be owned originally by the team making the offer sheet, right? Correct. You have to own your picks. They're, they're okay. not lenders. You need to own them. So the Rangers don't have a second-round pick this year. The, Would that prevent the, them from doing it? Ooh, that's Or could they question. use the second-round pick next year? I, I don't know. I don't know if it goes first-round pick, first-round pick. So for this year, next year, and then the year after, it's two and three. Okay. That's what I'm, I've been trying to figure that out because I've seen one thing say uh, it has to be – Okay, here it is, actually. The team submitting the offer sheet has to have all the required compensation picks, and they have to be their own picks. They have to be picks for the next draft. Unless they are required to have two picks of the same round, then they can have two of the next three years' picks to offer. So the Rangers would have to give up a first-round pick in 2021, a second-round pick in 2021, a third-round pick in 2021, and a first-round pick in 2022, which the Rangers can do. You have all of them. And you got a third-round pick... Uh, in 21, that is Buffalo's as well. So you'd still have that. Yeah, so we would have... Uh, it would be the first overall. With Lafreniere, we get to keep. That that sounds pretty fucking good to me. So we would have Lafreniere, potentially Carolina's first-round pick if we keep it or versus trading it. Then we have Barzell on top of it. And then we add that to Kako, Panarin, Sabanajad, Heedle, Chuba, Fox, Lindgren, Shisterkin. Dude, yeah, fuck it. I'm doing it, man. Like, I'm giving him $10.4 million for seven, eight years. Who gives a fuck? Let's see what the Islanders do. And if they match it, then we go back to right where we were in the Islanders, the fuck cap was. I like it. I mean, are I'm you all, guys going to be able to... I want the to, chaos. Are you guys going to make be able to make do without Greg McKegg? Uh, I don't know, man. Brett Howden, he, you know, he's a big-time penalty killer. killer. He has a lot of moxie to his game. All right, all right. I fucking hate that shit. But... <laughs> Anyway, so that's what I have on the Rangers side of things. I got I got really excited now figuring out that the Rangers can actually do that offer sheet and keep Lafreniere. All right. Well, who do you got for shout-outs now that you're all hot and bothered? <laughs> uh, before shout-outs, I do have two quick things for today in NHL history uh, for August 16th. The first one is, in 1996, the Blackhawks trade Jeremy Roenick to the Phoenix Coyotes for Alexei Zhamnov, Craig Mills, and a first-round pick in 1997. And happy birthday to Eddie O. Eddie Olchek was born in 1966 in Chicago, Illinois. 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 Uh, which he also shares that with the First Lady. So that segues, segues into the shout-outs. Shout-outs to the First Lady. Um, we are 15 days away from our trip to Key West. Uh, yes, we are still going to Florida during COVID. It's calmed down. We're going to an island remotely and we're not stupid so we know how to handle it um especially after living it through it in new york city we know how to kind of manage ourselves here um so looking forward to that um and then shout out to my buddy brian who listens each week he passed the foreign service officer exam so in the next year and a half to two years he'll be traveling the world for the u.s government uh it got me scared when you said me and the first lady we are because with you two it usually ends up with moving. So I just I didn't know where that was going. So hey, listen, there is a long term plan after I cash out my equity in my in a company here of moving to the Greek islands. So just giving you a heads up. That's okay. I can afford vacations. I can afford vacations. <laughs> Um, who do I got for shout outs this week? I have Stroud out uh, for today. It is actually his birthday. The Strat Daddy. Strat Daddy. He's the Strat Strat Daddy. So, uh, Mr. Stratford, happy birthday. Um, another big shout out is 
Sierra and Phobes are officially back from Colorado. They came back this week, all moved in, so they are officially... How'd they get to bed? Oh, they had to break it apart and then put it back in. So it it was a project, but it is in the house. (laughs) Um, So that went in there, and all is well in about... 12 minutes and 50 seconds left in the third, and Calgary is up 4-3, to three, Benny. So, XOXO, love you so much. <laughs> but, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, I was hoping for it to be a little bit not as long of an episode, but you know how we, yeah, get, we, we start get, talking. Rangers and Bruins talk, we get into it. Yeah, I had a little bit of a chubba. But, um, <laughs> everybody, thank you as always, and we will catch you guys next week for another episode. Maybe we'll do two next week, depending on how everything goes, if playoff rounds end up, but... We will definitely have at least a preview, and we will go from there. Thank you, everybody. I still feel 25 most of the time. I still raise a little cane with the boys. Honky-tonks and pretty women. Lord, I'm still right there with them Singing above the crowd and the noise Sometimes I feel like Jesse James Still trying to make a name Knowing nothing's gonna change what I am I was a young